Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning and welcome to a day of prayer. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for today, Lord. I just thank you for your continuous blessings that you pour out on all your people, Lord. And I just thank you for being righteous and just, Lord, and advising us in all matters and giving us wisdom on what you want us to do and what we need to do, Lord. And Lord, I just thank you for also that you don't give bad advice and that you're always right and that Nobody can counsel against you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Right, so, today we're in 1 Samuel chapter 20. And let's start off by reading the first 23 verses. Who wants to volunteer? Kyla? I'll go. Okay. Then David fled from Nath to Ramah and went and said to Jonathan, What have I done? What is my iniquity? And what is my sin before your father that he seeks my life? So Jonathan said to him, By no means you shall not die. Indeed, my father will do nothing either, great or small, without first telling me. And why should my father hide this thing from me? It is not so. Then David took an oath again and said, Your father certainly knows that I have found favor in your eyes. And he has said, Do not let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. So Jonathan said to David, Whatever you yourself desire, I will do it for you. And David said to Jonathan, Indeed, tomorrow is the new moon, and I should not fail to sit with the king to eat. But let me go, that I may hide in the field until the third day at evening. If your father misses me at all, then says, then say, David earnestly asked permission for me that he should might run over to Bethlehem, a city, for there is a yearly sacrifice there for all the family. If he says thus, it is well, your servant will be safe. But if he is very angry, be sure that, ev that evil is determined by him. Therefore you shall deal kindly with your servant, for you have brought your servant into a covenant with the, of the Lord with you. Nevertheless, if there is an iniquity in me, kill me yourself. Why should you bring me to your father? But Jonathan said, Far be it from me, from you. For if I knew certainly that evil was determined by my father to come upon you, then would I not tell you. Then David said to Jonathan, Who will tell me, or what if your father answers you roughly? <coughs> and Jonathan said to David, Come, let us go into the field. So both of them went into the field. Then Jonathan said to David, The Lord of God of, the Lord God of Israel is witness. When I have sounded out my father some time tomorrow, or the third day, and indeed there is good towards David, and I do not send to you and tell you, may the Lord do so and much more to Jonathan. But if it pleases my father to do you evil, then I will report it to you and send you away that you may go in safety. That the Lord be with you and as he has been with my father. And you shall not only show me the kindness of the Lord while I still live, that I may not die, but you shall not cut off your kindness from my house forever. No, not when the Lord has cut off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, Let the Lord require it at the hand of David's enemies. Am I supposed to keep reading? Yes, yes. through 23. Oh, okay. 
Now Jonathan again caused David to vow because he loved him, for he loved him as his own soul, as he loved his own soul. Then Jonathan said to David, Tomorrow is the new moon, and you, and you will be missed, because your seat will be empty. And when you have stayed three days, go down quickly and come to the place where you hid on the day of the deed. And remain at the stone, Azel, that I will shoot three arrows to the side as though I shot at a target. And there I will send a lad, saying, Go find the arrows. If I expressly say to the lad, Look, the arrows are on this side of you. Get them and come. Then as the Lord lives, there is safety for you and no harm. But if I say thus to the young man, Look, the arrows are beyond you. Go your way, for the Lord has sent you away. Mm-hmm. And for the matter which you and I have spoken of, indeed the Lord be between you and me forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you guys have any questions concerning this first part? Any thoughts? Why did they say the Lord be between you and me? That's language of their covenant. Like they know what they've already spoken about and God witnessed their covenant. So that's kind of how they talked. Um, and it just means remember the covenant that we have together. Like we have a covenant and it's they're, It's almost like they're locking eyes to go, you know what I said, I'm going to keep my word. I promised you something and the Lord knows. As you continue to read especially David and David's life, it's something he says often, right? The Lord judge between you and I, right? So the Lord's there as a witness and as a judge to uphold the covenant and to deal with whoever violates it, all right? Whoever goes back on their oath or whatever that they have stated, given their word to. Anything else? I liked how Jonathan asked David to vow that he would not cut off his house entirely. That he would still have an heir amongst and with David. Mm -hmm. Do you understand the significance of that? Why do you like that? Just because, and because I don't think the Lord was like totally wiping out Saul's family, but I do do like reading the coming chapters. You do see that a lot of Saul's family dies and dies in a gruesome manner. So it's. Kind of like a way, like, keep one, even just the one. That way he won't be, how they phrase it is, their name won't be blotted from the face of the earth, that they still have an heir and a remnant amongst people of Israel. At least there be no shame. Like, if you don't have an heir, it was shameful. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. No one to continue the the name or the legacy. Yes. Yes. Um, Yes, well, we, we've already established that each man receives from God based on their own works, right? Yes. So while Saul was having a hard time and struggling and was turning away from God, Jonathan was turning to the Lord. Like, he was the one that kept walking with him continuously throughout his dad's, you know, ups and downs, highs and lows and struggles, and his dad 
actually doing things that were ungodly, Jonathan was the one a lot of times coming in to make it right and um, doing the righteous things that the, the kingdom required and living a life that magnified the Lord, if you will. Um, the Lord spared Jonathan from his, his father's own hand, his own father's hand, and also continued to use Jonathan. Jonathan clearly had a heart for the Lord because he saw what God was doing in David and he participated in it. He didn't try to come against it. He didn't try to stop him or deter him. So that's, that is very significant, him asking this favor and saying, I, I love you and you're my friend and I'm your friend, but please do this for me in the time to come because I see what God is doing. I know that God, you know, he didn't spell it out at this moment, but he's signifying that he understands that the kingdom belongs to him. While God is bringing it about in his own time, he's already recognizing that because here David is possessing all these kingly qualities that his father can't seem to get right if somebody paid him to. You know what I mean? Like, his, he's really struggling, and oftentimes Jonathan has to come in and be the one that's mature and handle the things of the kingdom righteously. So, um, you know, he is, when our ways please the Lord, he's got a covenant with us to take care of our generations after us. Mm -hmm. Now, each one will have to, each generation, each individual in that generation will have to choose Christ for themselves. However, he's got a way of holding them steady and giving you descendants that will love him. So I think we talked about this before. Um, he doesn't, he'll make sure that they get where they need to go. And he'll help them in following him when we as the parents love him and serve him. He'll do righteously concerning them. So, and God has that all worked out. He knows people's hearts. He gives us, um, he'll give us children that love him and um, for generations Keeps when we honor we him. Commit to him. Absolutely. So, okay, does anybody else have any questions, any thoughts about it? Anything you want to say, honey? I'll let them. Okay. Ask the question first. Or, you know, share what the Holy Spirit revealed to you. Charles, you mentioned earlier that you had a question on why Jonathan chose to shoot three arrows, and he said, "If to the lot, go, the arrows are beyond you, or they are right there. Grab them and bring them back." Oh yes, I just found it weird that one person, the arrows are close enough that the little boy can obviously go get them, and the second person, they're still close enough, but he says, "The Lord sends you away." Yes, so they have a. So he's saying once he went and figured out what his dad's motives were, because mm -hmm. although he knew, I think he had a, a sense in his spirit, but you know, you don't want to believe that your parents or people that you love are acting in a way that's unbecoming. So once he went and ascertained for sure, like, you know, had confirmation, he still knew what God was doing for David. He's already attested that David has been righteous and he's innocent and he's only done good for the kingdom and towards mm -hmm. the Saul, Saul the king he's already attested that God is with him, right? So he realizes if God is not making my dad be at peace with you, then God is clearly sending you away. This is 
how the Lord worked it out because Jonathan has a sense about how God does things, right? So yes. you could you could ascertain that he's already seeking the Lord on it. God, what's your will? And just like when he said, we'll show ourselves. And if they say, come up to us, then let's go get them. God gave them into our hands because he's already got his communication going with the Lord. Or if they say, you know, this, that, and the other, then we'll go, our, go on our way. It, today's not the day for that. So it's kind of a similar thing. So what he's doing is, this is a secret message. If, mm -hmm. if he does something, this is... It's code. Right. If he does something out of the ordinary, people will notice and go, oh, David's around here and the, the jig is up, if you will. But if he, if he does something that's normal, but then adds a code word to it, so like he's a, he's a prince, if you will, and he's out shooting arrows. This is something they do in training for battle or for fun or whatnot. Like, so he, he, this is something he normally does. And so he gave David code words to listen for, to let him know what the outcome of the situation was, because he couldn't just go, hey, David, my dad's going to kill you. So <laughs> run away. <laughs> because then they'll know he's there, and then his dad's going to kill him, right? He wants him to have a head start and to get away safely, which is what he told him, um, that you go in safety and, you know, the Lord has sent you away. So does that make sense? Yes. So it's just a code signal mm -hmm. and making it... Um, not noticeable to everyone else. The lad is going to be like, well, this is normal. He might go, this is a little weird, but nothing that throws him drastically off and to let him know what's going on. It's just there. Exactly. Anything else? No. What about when David and how he, how he responds and reacts? To what part, honey? Right from the beginning. So if we're in a situation where we don't understand why things are happening and the manner that they're happening, how do people, how do you typically respond? I ask questions. Well, if you're not in a place where you can ask questions, right? David clearly can't go to Solomon like, hey, why are you treating me this way? You go ask somebody else that's like a mutual third party. Okay. But what is different about David and how David responds and reacts? Not very different. What are you gonna say, sir? I like talking about the end. I also think that I don't know if this is a scripture. I think it may be. I have no proof where it is. But I thought it said that you should not fall by the hand of the wicked. Like he was talking about. Okay, but that's not really. You're taking it out of what we're discussing here. How did David respond? How did he react? What was his actions and behavior? Mm. Well, I mean, he asked Jonathan, like, did I do anything wrong? And he said, if I have done something wrong, kill me yourself. Don't let me fall by your father. So More pleading with a friend. But he searched himself. That's, that's the key thing. He searched himself to figure out what he had done, if there was anything he had done and even went so far as to ask others, hey, so this is important because we're just search ourselves. And you see, this is something that David did throughout his whole life. He searched himself and he even asked the Lord constantly in the Psalms, search me, O Lord, try me. And if there's any way that's not of you, essentially, paraphrasing slightly, but if there's anything in me that's not, that doesn't reflect the Lord in my life, reveal it to me. 
Because it's real easy to point fingers and say, well, this isn't right, and they're not treating me the way they should, and as a brother and sister in Christ. It, it's not fair. Right, it's not fair. Mm-hmm. But that's not what he's doing here. He's searching himself first, and even letting others examine him. Hey, am I without sin in this? Or did I do something that would have brought this on me? Yes. That's a, a lesson I think we should all take. And I'll learn from. <coughs> Excuse me. And then if there is, right, is what he says, if there is, then hey, let's deal with this. Kill me yourself. Right, you judge me. And if I'm guilty, then kill me. Yes. Well, Jonathan couldn't because he, he knew that David was blameless. Hmm. Which is uh, the other aspect of this that we should consider. Right? We should purpose to live Christ-filled lives and lives that are perfect and holy and blameless, right? Without spot, wrinkle, or blemish <coughs> before our Lord. When we're doing that, others will notice as well. Yes. So it's significant. Now we encourage you four to do that all the time, right? Yes. Okay, why is this happening? Check yourself, right? What did you do what could you have done differently in this situation, right? Yes. Okay. Well, now you see part of the why. It's important. It's significant. Or we're told constantly throughout Scripture, judge yourself, lest you be judged. Examine yourself, right? Yes. Okay. So you see that played out here. And it's significant. It's important. Do you think you would have had the same type of support from Jonathan if you had been acting in a, a manner other than how the Lord directed? No. No. No, you would have been considered a, a troublemaker, right? You're trying to stir yes. up trouble within the kingdom and make it difficult for my father to rule. Yes. But David's ways were pleasing before the Lord. And, well, you see he has support as a result. He's first being persecuted, but at the right. same time, he does have help in that, which the Lord promises us. Exactly. I think that was the, that was the biggest thing I wanted you guys to take away from, from that part. Um, anyone, anyone have anything else they want to comment on? No. All right, let's move on. Wants to read 24 through the end of the chapter. I will. Then David hid in the field, and when the new moon had come, the king sat down to eat the feast. Now the king sat on his seat as at other times, on a seat by the wall. And Jonathan arose, and Abner sat by Saul's side, but David's place was empty. Nevertheless, Saul did not say anything that day, for he thought, something has happened to him. He is unclean. Surely he is unclean. And it happened the next day, the second day of the month, that David's place was empty. And Saul said to Jonathan, his son, Why has the son of Jesse not come to eat, either yesterday or today? So Jonathan answered Saul, David earnestly asked permission of me to go to Bethlehem. And he said, Please let me go, for our family has a sacrifice in the city, and my brother has commanded me to be there. 
And now, if I have found favor in your eyes, please let me get away and see my brothers. Therefore, he has not come to the king's table. Then Saul's anger was aroused against Jonathan. He said to him, You son of a perverse, rebellious woman, do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, you shall not be established, nor your kingdom. Now therefore send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. And Jonathan answered Saul his father and said to him, Why should he be killed? What has he done? Then Saul cast his spear at him to kill him, by which Jonathan knew that it was determined by his father to kill David. So Jonathan arose from the table in fierce anger and ate no food the second day of the month, for he was grieved for David because his father had treated him shamefully. And so it was in the morning that Jonathan went out into the field at the time appointed with David, and a little lad was with him. Then he said to the lad, Now run, find the arrows which I shoot. And as the lad ran, he shot an arrow beyond him. When the lad had come to the place where the arrow was which Jonathan had shot, Jonathan cried out after the lad and said, Is not the arrow beyond you? And Jonathan cried out after the lad, Make haste, hurry, do not delay. So Jonathan's lad gathered up the arrows and came back to his master. But the lad did not know anything. Only Jonathan and David knew of the matter. Then Jonathan gave his weapons to his lad and said to him, Go, carry them to the city. As soon as the lad had gone, David arose from a place toward the south, fell on his face to the ground, and bowed down three times. And they kissed one another, and they wept together, but David more so. Then Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, since we have both sworn in the name of the Lord, saying, May the Lord be between you and me, and between your descendants and my descendants forever. So he arose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. Mm -hmm. So, does anyone have any comments or questions? Or? I mean, I had a question. I was like, what's with Saul, like, casting spears at people and stuff? Oh, that too, but, like, being mis mistreating his wife, like, somehow it was her fault. Uh, he wasn't, he wasn't saying that about his mom, like, the way it sounds. He was going, who are you? I don't even know who you are. You're not the son of this woman. You're the son of some, some other woman. Basically going, Jonathan, I don't recognize you. That, that's more so what he's saying than it is about his mother, per se. Uh, that's right. more so how I got, got that. His, his mom, we've never even <laughs> heard exactly. of his mom. So well, surely he has worse. one. But, um, yeah, he's just going. Questioning whose son are you? Right. right. In other words, Saul is trying to and determine to give the kingdom to Jonathan after he passes, you know, and whenever that is. So he says. So, so I would say, right, so he says. Right in his mind, yep. but he's going to kill him. So it's a, why aren't you coming in line with my plan here? Whose side are you on anyway? Exactly. <laughs> so, but you also brought up about trying to kill him, his own son, by throwing a spear at him. Okay, well, and clearly Jonathan's seen this before. Yes. At least three times with David, right? Okay, well, so he understands the significance of it. Well, here's the thing. People that are driven by anger, that have unforgiveness in their heart, first and foremost, that's where it starts, because then bitterness 
goes and then there's all these other things resentment and everything all right mm-hmm. so it grows it's like a seed that gets planted because of unforgiveness the unwillingness to forgive someone and then it grows and it becomes this tree mm-hmm. so now there's a root system there's all these other things that when and if someone is to deal with it and they should deal with it that there's much more that has to be dealt with mm-hmm. and goes takes you farther than you want to go mm-hmm. so but here's the thing people that are driven by that or have that in their life aren't always rational clearly the anger was at david yes. and you can see all the natural reasons why it would be right yes the lord's already said multiple times he's taking the kingdom from saul he's going to give it to someone else saul sees all the the patterns of what's going on with david and Qualities and attributes. Qualities, mm-hmm. attributes, nature, character, all the success and battle. These are significant things. Yes. But then what happens in this in this brief moment? All that anger and hatred towards David now gets placed onto his son. And he attempts to kill his own son by throwing a spear at him. significant that's not really rational or logical you can't say someone's in their right mind to take all that and now uh place it on someone else yes mm-hmm. where's the as we're told we're, we're the peacemakers we're to be the peacemakers where's the peace in that situation it wasn't any. okay a peace a loss of impatience whatever right that's a fruit of the spirit But the spirit hasn't has departed from Saul. Yes. So you see again, and we brought this up in earlier Bible study, all right? Earlier morning Bible study. That uh, yeah, the spirit had departed from Saul. So what is he displaying? His character, his nature, his attributes are opposite of what the Lord tells us, how instructs us, commands us, how we should live, how we should be the nature, the character, the qualities that are represented in Christ. Yes. You see that played out here. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Anyone else? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I kind of thought it when it said that there was Crying more than Jonathan. Okay. I kind of don't get that. Who's losing more in the moment? David. Mm-hmm. Explain. He'd have to move. Uh, yes. What else? That Saul's trying to kill him. Um. Then that. Yeah, they already tried multiple times, right? Yes. About five or six times already. Saul sent his soldiers to go kill him. Something to that effect. Saul tried to kill him himself three times with a spear. And then he also made multiple plans for to send him to battle with the Philistines. The Philistines would kill him. Was Jonathan missing? David was leaving. Friendship with David. 
not that the friendship stops, but that interaction on a daily or weekly basis, whatever it is, however often it was. Yes. Yeah, so of course he's going to, he's missing out a friend and a brother in Christ, a brother in the Lord, a kindred spirit. Right? Yes. yes. Someone to help encourage him, admonish him, and continue to walk with the Lord. Now, Jonathan no, recognizes he's going to be surrounded by uh, people or whatever in a kingdom that are just trying to stay alive from whatever's going on with the with David's father or David with Saul with Saul Jonathan's father. But David is now on the run. He misses everything, or he's going to leave everything. He can't go see his father. He can't go see his brothers. So family's out. He's not in the kingdom anymore. He's already been sleeping in the field for the last three days, hiding out. So there's no shelter. Yes. He's alone. Except for the Lord, of course. But as far as from people, he's by himself. So everything he's known in life, is gone. And now he's going into uh, the quote-unquote unknown. All right? Yes. Okay, well, that's significant. So also he's missing out on a, a friend and brother in Christ to help encourage him and support him. And guess what? He still has Saul, who he knows is coming after him. Trying to kill him. That's a lot. That's a lot to process through. That's a lot to take in. Mm -hmm. Just in a natural means, a natural sense. Significant. It's a lot for anyone to deal with. Yes. I'm sure David didn't anticipate that his journey would look like this. Sure, God picked him up. Pulled him out of the field when he was, I'm sure he was happy with the little sheep and out there just worshiping the Lord and whatnot. The Lord, I'll say, plucked him out, but pulled, you know, pulled him out of the field and said, hey, you're going to be king. And all the things that Samuel disclosed to him that the Holy Spirit um, ministered. And then you see him kind of, it looks like it's falling into place, kind of, right? He's yes. valiant, um, having triumphs in battle being made the king's son-in-law eventually he's getting you know respect he's getting he's behaving wisely it looks like it looks like he's climbing right it looks like okay you know this this looks pretty pretty straightforward ish to the throne you know he may not have known how god was going to bring it to pass but i'm sure he was like okay it looks like we're going in the right direction now there's this where there were bits and glimpses of you know like Saul's craziness but it didn't stop like David's rise right yes. then all of a sudden here it is it's like whoa went from living being in the palace living there walking and being somebody right of notoriety etc cetera, etc cetera, looking and feeling and appearing as though you're coming up into what God has for you now all of a sudden it's a 180 it feels that way, looks that way, 
right? Seems like it. And now he's going into who knows what. You know what I mean? So from a natural standpoint, I could see him being very much so like, what's happening? I thought we were going one way, God. <laughs> what is going on? I thought you said, didn't you tell me? I, I thought, you know, I did everything you asked me to do. Why is this happening? Why is this trouble here? Mm-hmm. And the, the plan didn't look like it's going to work out. Like, um, certainly not how David thought it would, but I'm sure he's got some, some questions and his heart is sad. Like, well, God, okay, but you told me. So how, how does me being the furthest away from the palace <laughs> get me to the palace, right? And the kingdom and being a king, right? Exactly, to the throne, which I don't think he was actively trying to take the throne for himself because that, that was not his character and his, mm-hmm. his nature. He wasn't trying to take it for himself, but he still had hope and expectation, as we all should. When God speaks a word to us, we should trust him and we should believe him and hope and expect Right, because faith is the sub- substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So you you need your hope to release your faith. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we should do that, but that doesn't mean we carry it out in our own strength and ability. But also, don't be discouraged when it seems like the path isn't going the way you thought it was. Your job is to believe God and follow Him and just mm-hmm. do what He asks you to do, because like Abraham. David is experiencing something that looks in the natural like it's completely opposite of what God said. You know, to Abraham, he said, you're going to have, have children, right? As, yes. as numerous and as abundant as the stars in the sky and the sand, you know, and the sand of the sea or the sand wherever. Yep. And then here God says, take this flinty rock and circumcise yourself. I'm sure he, he wanted to faint. He's like, you're trying to cut off the thing that I need to reproduce. Can you hear what I'm saying? Because <laughs> circumcision was a new thing, but that was actually the thing that was hindering him from reproducing. So God said, trust me, I'm going to give you all these kids, but take this sharp rock and, you know, <laughs> start what working on sacrificing that. sacrificing his own son? Right? I mean, that was later on. He at least produced him yes, at that yes. point. I mean, by then he was like, well, sh- God, you can do anything. <laughs> but just those baby stages, like the, the early part, he's mm-hmm. like, Take a rock and do what? You know, I'm sure his hands were shaky. <laughs> he probably wanted to pass out. Like, oh, what's happening? But that was the thing he needed to get to the next phase. It cleared the pathway for him to be able to reproduce just in the natural more, more readily, more easily, yes. removing a hindrance to that reproduction. Well, David, you know, God's going, yep. You're going to be the king. The kings live here in these places. They do these kind of things. And he's like, yeah, it looks like we're going that way. And God's like, er, it's time to go. That's completely the opposite in appearance and the natural from what God, what he probably envisioned or thought or foresaw God talking about. So it's important for us to keep our focus just on the Lord, not on how the circumstances are building up next to us and what we perceive them to be. But keep them on the Lord, keep them on Jesus, and keep them on obeying him and trusting him through everything and through whatever comes. Because whatever he says to us is for our good. That okay. flinty rock that Abraham had to circumcise himself and his household was for their good. Because it also freed the generations up to be able to reproduce and populate easily. Yes. And this, even though it doesn't look like it, is for a purpose. Him having to leave his friend the comfort that he had already started to kind of build. He learned what he needed to. He learned how to come out, come in and go out before the people. 
he learned how to carry himself, right? Like a king, and he learned those things, but now there's another phase that he has to learn. So keeping his perspective on the Lord, and it's okay that he said, God, this is going to be hard, and I'm, you know, I didn't really want it to go this way, but <laughs> nevertheless, right? And I... I've been there. I'm anybody that's that's believed God through hard things. Been like, Lord, I thought we were gonna go this way. I don't really want to do this, Lord, but (laughs) nevertheless, not my will, but yours. We see our Messiah, you know, sweating great drops of blood, going, "No, we're gonna do what you said, God. We're gonna go the way that you want to go. I'm not gonna try to direct it myself." And it's okay for us to be to express, like, Lord. Okay. You, know. you sure about this? <laughs> no. Oh, you are. Oh, you are sure. Okay. Well, then let me come into alignment with it. I heard, I, heard, I heard you right. Right? Right? Okay. Yes. So not not doubting God, but to go, okay. To, he loves that we are humans because he made us humans. So he's not afraid of us expressing ourselves and our humanity. But what he does not want is doubt and unbelief. What he does not want is humanity becoming our God and replacing him. It's not our God. It's something we have. Right? It's, it's where we are at this time. Till we, we are changed into our glorified state and dwell with him in the heavenlies, um, in the heavenly kingdom. But it's not to be our God. So he's okay with him going, Lord, all right. But don't stop there. Exactly. Continue to move forward in the things of the Lord. Get over it. Move on. Leave it at his feet and continue to press on and pursue him and direct your worship to the Lord. Obedience is the worship that God is desiring, that he's looking for. In Ooh. spirit and in truth is obedience. Because you've listened what he's had to say, and you said, yes, I find you faithful, God. I call you holy, and I recognize your authority in my life and your sovereignty over me because I belong to you. I'm going to go do what you asked me to do. Yes, raising your hands is beautiful, and shedding tears is, is okay. It's nice. It's, it's all right. But what God is asking for is your heart. That after all of those things are done, after the music stops playing, after the, you know, the, the form feelings go away, are you still going to do what I called you to do? Are you still going to love me? That is God. Are you still going to do what God called you to do? Are you going to love him with your whole heart? Are you going to follow after him and seek him and desire him above all else? Are you going to go where you're not even sure about the places that you don't know, you've never seen, you've never been, or go in a new way because he asked you to, because he's leading and guiding you. Are you going to trust him to be with you? Right? Abraham went out from his household, his family, from all that he knew to a land that he did not know and sojourned, walked around that earth and just did what God told him to do. And he is the father of faith for that reason, because he trusted God. David has a promise that the father has certainly fulfilled, that he'll have a, an heir, the heir, right? Yes. yes. Who is the Lord Jesus Christ to sit on this God, the throne, God's throne forever, with the throne of Israel as well. He's a God of all things. Mm-hmm. He has that forever because of David's obedience and his heart and love to the Lord, even after he made a mistake. But God still said, Thank you. I got it. So. Anything else? No other questions or anything the Holy Spirit revealed to you? 
So I want to back up a little bit. When they were discussing the plan, Jonathan and David, Jonathan made the statement of, I'll send a letter, and if I say the arrows are behind you, then go your way. Right? Yes. You see the same thing expressed to Daniel. All right, and he's asking about the vision, and Daniel 12. And he says, no, go your way. These things will be revealed in time. So we don't always, as we were discussing, know or understand, right, the full plan. Yes. Well, why do you think that is? I know, like myself. I know for myself that, yeah. When I know the full plan, my head starts getting a bit big. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Okay. that's fine. Go ahead. Well, not that your head is getting big, but what you're saying. Go ahead. It it makes you seem to you get. You're no longer you're looking at what's the end state instead of looking at the Lord. You're thinking. Oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to be doing all these things instead of, okay, Lord, I know I'm already going to get this, but what do you want me to do now? So what you're saying is there's a lack of faith. Yes. There's more of a trust and reliance in yourself and your own ability. Yes, and you try to do the actions that you think would get you there. Okay. But is that how we're supposed to be? No. No. The life in Christ is a walk of faith. Mm-hmm. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Absolutely. So, the Lord knows what needs to be revealed and when. But that's, that's part of it, why many times we don't have the full game plan. But we get the next step. Go do this. There's no point in outlining the whole alphabet. You, know, you go to A, then B, then C, then... Because we're also flesh. There's a tendency to forget, Right? Yes. Now, yes, the Lord brings to our remembrance everything, right? And also, through His Holy Spirit, teaches us new things. Okay? But again, it's the walk of faith. Our faith, our hope, dependency, everything, trust has to be in the Lord and what He's doing. But then there's also obedience. Are we going to be obedient to what He's saying and how He's leading us? Are we going to follow it through? Are we going to carry it out? Are we going to prove ourselves faithful to what he's asking us? Mm-hmm. When he returns, he says, will I find faith on the earth? Will I find people, my people, the Lord's people, carrying out the things that I've told them to do, being faithful to what I've commanded them? It's significant. Is something that we all must understand but apply to our lives. Mm-hmm. And faith is not just like a, a heart flutter, some nope. intangible thing or a feeling that well, you I believe feel. and we're good. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is a spiritual force, yes. And it also has a connection to the world around you. So you believe God enough to do what he told you to do. Mm-hmm. You believe him enough to walk and to keep his commandments, right? To obey what he's already said. Not just, oh, I feel good about it in the moment, but you never demonstrate. You, 
you never have a, an outward, your outward being never matches up with what you say is on the inside of you. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? As a man yes. thinks in his heart, so is he. So if you believe God and, and you trust him, it has to make its way out. There is, has to be corresponding action. has to be demonstrated. I'm not talking about presumptuousness or assumptions. We're talking about, um, for example, God saying to Abraham, go walk the land, come out of this place and go to a place that I'll show you. You could have been like, I believe you, God. But if he stayed in his hometown, did he believe God? No. No, because no, if he believed him, he would have done what he said. He would have gotten up, as he did, and went out from his father's household and his kinsmen and the land that he knew and went to the land that God told him about, the land of Canaan. So when you believe God, it's not just warm and fuzzies. It's not just, well, that sounds like a great idea. And then you go back on your, your way and never do what God asked you. But you believe him and then you carry it out. That, that's vital mm -hmm. to our life, to believers. And there's no point where we learned enough about faith. <laughs> there's no point no. where we've, um, we don't need to talk about it anymore. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And that should be our desire, our goal, our what we I say strive, but it's not that we're striving to do it, but that's how we want to be, our driving force, if you will, is to be pleasing to the Lord. And that only happens by faith. I believe that you're so good, God. I believe that you are God, so I keep your commandments. Not because I'm being, I'm just twisting my arm or being forced or I'm scared, but I believe you. Because that's what I want to do. Mm -hmm. Not just believe but to carry it out, that the Father would be pleased with me. Yes. Who wants to close us out in prayer? I'll close us out in prayer. All right, well, Charles. Thank you, sir. Lord, I just thank you for today, Lord, and just... I thank you for blessing this Bible study, Lord, and bringing more people to you, Lord, and using us as your vessels to spread the good news around the world, Lord. Lord, I also thank you for giving us the opportunity to come to you, Lord, and allowing us to have free will mm -hmm. to come into your good mercy and graces, Lord, and to make you our Lord and Savior of our life, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love you. God I bless you. you. Have a wonderful day. Bye. Bless you. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.